Tuning into the 318th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Cool Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. <clears throat> Being recorded from Buffalo, New York, is always going to have a special guest on. Fernando Ramirez, he covers Los Angeles Chargers for Sports Illustrated. This was recorded last week on Friday, I believe. Uh, got into a lot of great conversation, talked about, uh, I think we got into at the end, Phillip Rivers, Drew Brees, that old era of Chargers football. In the beginning, we talked about Justin Herbert, uh, Brandon Staley, used to coach at John Carroll, by the way. Sorry, I have to show up my bias. Tom Zalesko, also Chargers GM, used to coach at John Carroll. Used to go to John Carroll, excuse me, so got the John Carroll connection there. Always got to peep that. But we talked about Herbert uh, with Fernando also. I got a chance to talk to him about Brandon Staley, like I said. <clears throat> Anthony Lynn, the old Chargers head coach. We got into some other stuff as well. Uh, AFC West rankings. So really interesting and fun pod. Uh, I think you guys will really enjoy it. Actually, the pod that I was going to do for the Monday version was going to be uh, with Kenny Simmons. was going to be general NFL, general NFL stuff and uh, the NFC power rankings. <clears throat> but what happened was I went to a wedding uh, with my uh, one of my best friends, Connell Crayback. His mom was getting remarried. I went there, loved it, you know, one of the first, what the first wedding I've ever been to past the age of 21, and guess what, your boy wasn't drinking, your boy wasn't hammered, had a couple wine glasses, then I waited, drunk water, then we went back, then I had a couple beers, so I was very sober, now everybody else there was not sober, I will say that, I was one of the few people there who was sober, besides like the kids, like the, kids, the younger kids, like and a couple other people, my friend Colin, he was sober because he was driving, obviously. But I was pretty sober, so I was kind of like, wow, you know, it's a little different when you look at everybody, they're dancing. I'm like, you know what? I'm not my 15th drink in in the last hour, so I can't dance like you guys are dancing. But this leads to what I'm going to say next. Uh, we went to the party. Uh, they had like a after party or whatever the next day. And I ended up eating some... Uh, beef or pork or whatever and i think the pork gave me uh got me a little sick i don't know uh so uh i was fighting hurt last night i couldn't do it with kenny because i wasn't feeling well and surprise 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 daryl had uh you know a bathroom issue i had to work out i had some nausea in my stomach uh so a little sick so i wasn't really feeling it so i decided you know what we're just gonna scrap it have these audio podcasts right here uh, a couple weeks in advance to pit stuff, to put stuff out here in terms of content in case I can't do something right. So why not use it? Um, but no, I loved hanging out with Connell and um, uh, just letting everybody know what happened. Uh, but Kenny, I'll be recording with Kenny tonight as I'm recording Monday in the morning, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Uh, but this is the podcast with Fernando and then the podcast with Kenny will probably be out on Wednesday and over the course of this week I'm going to have a couple other NFL reporters and those podcasts will be released next week just let everybody know a little itinerary of what's going on here 
Now, before we get to the podcast, I want to say this. If this is your first time listening, subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook group chats, etc., etc. Also, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Daryl Lane. Follow me on Twitter, at NightTrain underscore Lane. I'll say it again, at NightTrain underscore Lane. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and leave a great review. And for some odd reason, right, if you don't like my podcast, then don't say anything. Because you know what your mama told you? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And without ado, cut him next. Have the break on. Barbershop Sports Talk. We're going to get to Fernando Ramirez. He covers Los Angeles Chargers for Sports Illustrated. Cut him next. Have the break on. Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a very special guest with us, Fernando Ramirez. He covers the Los Angeles Chargers for Sports Illustrated. How you doing, man? Good, good. Thank you for having me on. I'm just uh, enjoying kind of the day, the quote-unquote day off. Uh, still up early working, but uh, but it, it should be nice, and I'll be out there at 9 a.m., and I made a mistake this week. I wore a black shirt out to uh, practice, and I was sweating terribly. So I, I, I've learned my lesson for next week. Yeah, that's what we learned in school. If you know, if you wear black clothes and, and the sun's pointed down on you, that's definitely not the move right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but it was laundry day, so, I, there, so there, there was the yin and the yang. <laughs> I feel that. So just for you, uh, how is, and you know, LA, you know, it's a little different, probably run there than other parts of the country due to COVID. How is that, like, has that affected your job at, or anything kind of of that nature in terms of how you're able to interact with players and talk to people? I mean, it affected it last year because we weren't allowed to be anywhere near the players. It was funny because um, Justin Herbert, I mean, we weren't able to meet him until actually in April there was an event uh, that the Chargers had and we met him in person and he's like, hey guys, it's so great to see you guys in person. So it was hilarious to see him. Uh, a great guy and everything. But, yeah, we hadn't met him in person. And then we hadn't met head coach Brandon Saley in person either. And he met us, and he's like, oh, hey, guys. Like, it's good to put uh, faces to names. It's not just uh, the computer screen anymore. So other than that, I mean, when you do one-on-ones with players, it has to be over the phone so you can't see them in person. But uh, when it comes to, like, regular media sessions – we have to be 10 feet away from the players or the coaches for the podium stuff. So it, it, that hasn't been too bad. But uh, the only thing is, like, one-on-ones and stuff like that. But other than that, I mean, I can't complain. After last year, I'm glad we're getting a little bit back to, to normal because uh, it was tough at times uh, to get content and, and all that. But that just shows how good of a journalist you are when you're able to get good content in weird times, I guess. But can you kind of explain how difficult that might be? Because I don't, don't think some people realize that, like, it's a lot differently when you're covering a sport, covering anything. When you're with those people, you're in the locker room, you know, you can talk to people, have that face-to-face interaction and that connection. Whereas if yeah. you're just doing Zoom calls, it's just not, you know what I mean? It's just not as personal. Maybe somebody's not going to open up as more. Yeah, the, the, the real difficulty was that uh, there's five of us that are beat writers. We were all basically getting the same players. The players were telling us the same thing. So, basically, we had similar... Like, if Joey Bosa talked, all five of us would have something about Joey Bosa. So, And, obviously, each of us think differently. We all see the uh, the game differently. 
So that was the different aspects of each of us. But it was difficult. And, I mean, in the locker room, like, say you can talk to a certain player and it gives you a, a, a little juice. Like, uh, say that they just won and, and one of the players like, oh, yeah, we just – we clearly uh, outschooled them, outclassed them, we beat them up, this and that and that. Well, that's kind of a good quote that you can use in your story. And here you're not getting that because the players are in front of a computer screen. They're just really, like – Get, uh, they're really just trying to get out of there so that they can get on uh, on the team bus and get their food and everything. So you can tell they're a little antsy to get out. And then um, this year I wrote a story, actually. Um, uh, so Justin Herbert, everybody knows, came in against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs week two. So I reached out to his father uh, via uh, Twitter, and I was like, hey, is there any way I can give you a call and uh, write a story about you? He's like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. So... I wrote a story about how him and his wife found out. He's like, I'm on the couch watching the Baltimore Ravens, and I think it was the uh, – I can't remember who they were playing. He's like, I turn over to uh, – he's like, the next game comes on, and I'm chilling on the couch, and he's like, I see my my little boy running out onto the field, and I scream to my wife, hey, he's going in. And he's like, it was so exciting. He's like, my son from Oregon, who was an Oregon Duck, came over too. His eldest son actually had a, uh, his first medical school uh, test the next day. And he's like, I'm not going to study. I want to watch my brother play. So it was uh, – and by the way, he passed the test So uh, with flying colors. But it's little things like that, trying to find different stories in a unique time uh, it, that really uh, is worthwhile. Just because that's one of my favorite stories that I've written in the past year is that one on Justin and uh, – or on Justin's parents finding out the way uh, they found out that his son was – their son was going to go in and, and play in his first NFL game. So they didn't even really know. No, 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 because... Uh, oh, yeah, because I do remember because of Tyra. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had gotten the shot, like, I think a couple of minutes before kickoff, and then Anthony Lynn uh, finds out about Tyrod. They're they're getting ready to kick off the ball. He walks over to Justin, and he's like, hey, kid, you're in. And Justin's like, wait, what? And then he's like, yeah, you're in. And it's funny because Justin tells this story about how he runs into the huddle, and then Hunter Henry's like, what the hell are you doing here? And he's like, whoa, man, he's like... What, what, what is this, like, a little confidence, like, oh, no, we got your back. He's like, but what happened? And he's like, it doesn't matter. Let's let's just keep on going. So uh, it was funny to hear. Uh, and then you asked Hunter, Hunter when he was here. He was like, oh, yeah, I didn't know what he was doing. I'm like, are you lost, Rook? Like, you good? So it, it was just a funny uh, a funny time, to be honest. And it's interesting when you mention that. I kind of want to go back to that when you, like, he just comes in. Because when you think about that, like, not even him, not even knowing until basically the ball's about to be kicked off, he's like, hey, kid, you're in. Like, that kind of, see, it sounds like the stuff you hear in, like, sports movies or even, like, high school. If anybody's played high school sports or even college where you're like, you know, maybe the starter party too much the last day or had a bad grade or something like that. And nobody knows who's playing. He's like, oh, yeah, you're, you're playing. He, he's out. And you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and if Justin ever uh, has a movie done about him, that's going to be, uh, that's, it, it sounds like a, a movie, but it's not just that. Also, it's going up against the defending world. Like, you were going up against the defending champions in the Kansas City Chiefs. You had Patrick Mahomes, that high-powered offense. And you literally, and honestly, if it wasn't for one or two mistakes from Justin, they would have won the game. And But he really took it to Kansas City, and it was his first game. He had some passes that were high. He had some, there was a, a pass where, I remember it clearly because his dad told me, uh, his dad, uh, so Herbert hikes the ball, he rolls over to his left, he sees Mike Williams is open, he launches a cannon, and the thing is, he put it a little bit in, like, he didn't put it in front of Mike, he put it uh, right at Mike, so the Honey Badger, uh, Tyron Matthew comes up and smacks it down, 
he's like, come on, kid, what are you, what are you thinking? That's the honey badger. You have to put it in front of him. So it was just a funny tidbit from his father. But, uh, but yeah, if he would have put it in front of Mike Williams, Mike Williams would have caught that one, and it would have been a touchdown. But because of how big and lengthy he is, but Justin learned a lot. There was a play where obviously he rolled again. He rolled out to his left. He could have had the first down. It was third and like three. He could have had the first down if he would have taken off running. He saw. He thought he had Keenan Allen wide open, and he throws it to him, and it's intercepted. He threw across his body, and it was intercepted. So, literally, if, if he would have ran for it, he would have had the first down, and they could have continued the drive. Instead, it was an interception. But little things like that, that's that's why it's so incredible what we've seen from Justin. It's that how much he's grown from that Kansas City game and how much he grew during the season. I mean, to throw three touchdowns against Tampa to – Go perfect four and four and in the sense of four touchdowns, zero interceptions against the Saints. Like he literally took it to a lot of these playoff teams. They didn't end up winning, but he took it to a lot of these playoff teams. And you're just like, wow, these guys had a defense, had a little bit more of that killer instinct. They definitely would uh, would be a lot better. And I feel like that's what Justin developed in the last four games of the season when they went on that four game win streak. That killer instinct to put teams away. I feel like that's really what. Uh, that's why I thought it was a positive that they went 4-0 at the end. Because, yes, the draft position whatever. But Justin needed to see, like a basketball player, needed to see the ball go into the hoop at the end of the game. And that's exactly what they did in those last four games. Yeah, I think confidence is everything. I think you need, exactly. to, you need to see it you like to believe it. So what I have to ask you is this, right? So with the whole how Justin Herbert started, right? You know, unfortunately it happened because Tyrod Taylor in the whole medical situation, can, medical situation there. Can you kind of explain how that kind of materialized if you have any information on that? Yeah, so my bad. Can you repeat the question? So with so Justin Herbert ended up starting because of Tyrod, Tyrod Taylor in the ribs. And there was yeah. kind of a little bit of controversy about that. So can you kind of explain that? Yeah, so basically... Um, so, obviously, Anthony Lynn is old school. He, he's an old school kind of coach where he doesn't believe that a player should lose his uh, <clears throat> should lose his uh, his spot because he got injured because of a medical emergency or because he was injured. But the thing is that at one point, like, so Justin comes back the next week, plays against Carolina. He didn't play very, like, well, he didn't play well in a sense. Like, the game was just odd. It was a weird kind of game. He threw an incredible touchdown pass to Keenan Allen in between two two uh, two players in the secondary, which was uh, pretty incredible. But Justin didn't play well at all. And that week, Anthony told him, "Hey, when Tyrod Taylor comes back, like he is our starter." And everybody was kind of like freaking out. They're like, "How can that happen?" Well, Justin goes in at Tampa. He puts up three touchdowns, and all three of them were incredible touch passes that you're just like, "Oh crap!" Like, how did he do all this? Um, he took it to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and, and that was when Anthony Lynn, Tom Telesco, and I feel like the Spanos family realized, hey, you know what, we can't go back to Tyron. This kid is big, he's athletic, and it's his time. And that was another thing. His high school head coach and his father both told me, Justin learns better when he's on the fly, when he's when he's in the game. He doesn't, like, they said that he learns well, obviously, not playing, but that basically when, he, when he's experiencing it, when he's seeing and he's, um, he's feeling the linebackers on him. He feels the pressure. There was a pass that he threw to Tyron Johnson for a 53-yard touchdown at the beginning of that Tampa Bay game. He had Vita Vea and JPP in his face, and they were about it like, they looked like they were about to nail him. He throws the ball last second, and they both of them just hit him hard. And I was like, oh, crap, can you imagine having all that weight on top of you? But 
that's what they said. Justin learns better when he is in the game. And I feel like the Chargers understood that, and they knew that Justin would learn while he went. And that's what happened. Justin slowly but surely was learning how to play the position. Everything started slowing down for him at times. And I'm, I'm not saying it was a perfect season. He did struggle. He struggled against uh, the New England Patriots, the Buffalo Bills, and the Miami Dolphins. Why? Because they disguised their coverages. They're, all three of them are known to use cover zero. Well, they were disguising cover zero and jumping into cover three, which really uh, which really threw Justin off. Or they were in cover three and then would jump into cover zero. And Justin got a little bit, I'm, I'm not going to lie, he got a little bit confused. But he was able to, but that's what the beauty is of Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley's been helping him out, going through film, and then at the same time also, uh, trying to help them. The Chargers defense has been disguising a lot in the uh, in training camp to really help them adjust to that kind of stuff. Because a lot of defense, a lot of the great defenses will do that to you. They will disguise whatever they're running, especially if you're a young quarterback. So for Herbert, when did you realize? Because well, first I want to know. So when Herbert, let's go back to when Justin's drafted. Uh, you know. Some people were in favor of it. Some people weren't. Some people were like Tua. And obviously, you know, that's looking a lot differently with the whole Tua situation. But even people, Burrow was drafted number one. What were your thoughts of Justin when he initially came in? Were you like, okay, like, he can be okay? Or were you not a fan? Or were you like, okay, yeah, this can be the guy? I actually liked Justin coming out of Oregon. I just thought he was big. He was athletic. The thing is that he wasn't as flashy as Burrow or Tua because he didn't play with five-star receivers five-star tight ends, a five-star offensive line. Uh, Justin was playing with two-star athletes, three, uh, two, three-star offensive line. I mean, Panay Sewell was the, the exception. He was a five-star left tackle. But literally, he was playing with all these, like, uh, with all these receivers that weren't, um, that weren't, I'm not going to say, they weren't at the level of the Alabama receivers that, or LSU receivers that these guys were playing with. So I thought, I started analyzing, and I'm like, you know what, what would happen if you put Justin in the Alabama system or in the LSU system, hell, he might be an even bigger superstar quarterback than even these guys coming out of it. So I really started analyzing. I started going through his stuff. When people started making up all this crap about how he wasn't, he was uh, standoffish, that he was uh, not a leader, that he was this, that he was that, I'm like, okay, people are starting to make up stuff because because uh, I, I feel like that's what a lot of the draft is. I thought they're making up stuff because they know Justin could be a slam dunk uh, pick, but no, obviously they had to come up with all this weird crap. Well, the, obviously uh, Burrow goes one, Tua goes five, and that was the that was the interesting part. Tua against uh, Herbert and Miami decided to go Tua. Chargers got Herbert, and I feel like they kind of fit each other's styles. Miami's more loud, and 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 it's it's a crazy like. I don't know. It's kind of like what the Dolphins are. Like, Tua's, like, uh, his personality fits the Dolphins, and I feel like Herbert's personality kind of fits the Chargers a little bit, where they're trying to make some noise in Los Angeles. They're right now the second NFL team, but they're slowly starting to get in there where they are challenging the Rams a little bit. So, But honestly, uh, I liked Herbert coming out. I thought he was, uh, was going to be very good. And then I started noticing during training camp, Hmm, Herbert's playing well with the second, third, and fourth string receivers. Now, mind you, going back to that COVID talk, we did not get to see a lot of Justin playing with against the first team. The first time we saw him play against the first team defense with second, third, and fourth string players, he threw a pick six right at Melvin Ingram, and Melvin Ingram ran it back. 
so it was one of those things where you got a little bit worried. You saw some of the things that he was doing, and you're like, mm. But then the next day, he would throw a 70-yard uh, pass to his side, touchdown pass to his tight end. He would hit his receivers in stride. He'd do all this stuff, and you're like, okay, so which one's a real Justin? So we get no preseason game, so we can't see Justin. In Cincinnati, Tyrod Taylor, one of those, you could see he was feel, uh, he felt some discomfort because Justin got up and he started throwing. And you're like, no way, are they really going to throw Justin in here? And is he really going to go up against these guys? And uh, obviously, uh, him having talent like Keenan Allen, Mike, uh, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, and all that, I mean, it was incredible. Again, we never saw him practice with the first-team offense. So I didn't know, and we didn't know, how well he was going to do with them. But he comes in against Kansas City, and it feels like he's been playing with them for a while. I mean, it took him a little bit to adjust to them, but he really did play well with all of them. It was just the offensive line wasn't all that good. But uh, Justin really impressed me. I, then you asked, I think you were kind of asking, what game did I know? That Tampa Bay game is really where I knew, oh, crap, these guys just got – these guys just went from Drew Brees to Phillip Rivers to Justin Herbert, and they honestly are very – I mean, they've done their homework and everything, but it, what, what, a, what a lucky – not lucky – but, like, what incredible – well, yeah, what incredible luck that they were able to go from Drew Brees to Phillip Rivers to not Justin Herbert. And uh, and really, it's it's paid off dividends for these guys because now they have their franchise quarterback. And it seems like L.A. is starting to kind of fall in love with Justin Herbert a little bit. And I feel like there's more there's, – there's a little bit more hype for Justin than there is for Matthew Stafford just because Justin was drafted. And obviously Matthew was uh, was traded. So what would you say for people, because I still feel like, not that people still say he's not a leader, but I still feel like people are kind of like, you know, uh, he's just a talented guy. I don't know if he can be like the face of the franchise. What would you say to people like that? Well, I mean, the thing is that Justin isn't going to be like Tom Brady. He's not going to scream. He's not like, he's not going to get hyped. He's not going to, well, he does get hyped. But not in the way, you know, Tom Brady runs out of the tunnel and he runs over to the crowd and he, like, like yells, let's let's and go, like, stuff like that. Like, Justin's not like that. Justin is more grabbing his team and going, all right, guys, like, let's do this. Let's go out there. I'm, and I'm telling you, Corey Lindsley, uh, who's been a veteran in this league, a Pro Bowl, all-pro center, uh, Brian Bulaga, who's been a Pro Bowl or right tackle, they've all told us, <coughs> excuse me, that um, that Justin, is his leadership is, is unique. But that he is a leader, he is the leader of this team, and that he tells them what he tells them. Hey, this, hey, that, and uh, and really, when he needs to get on him, he gets on him. Keenan said the same thing. Also, Mike Williams. They've all said that Justin has really stepped up as a leader, going back from last year to this year, and that they know that number ten is their quarterback. I'm telling you, like I've seen things uh, from Justin, and, and and like guys run over and and they high five him, and uh, and. I don't know. It just it feels different from other quarterbacks that I've seen or or stuff like that. I've got these guys really rally around Justin, and, and last year they were like the big brothers trying to protect their little brother. But this year, I feel like Justin has really kind of come into his own, and I feel like he knows exactly what to say. He feels comfortable. Last year, he might have been a little bit might have. I don't know how all that went because I mean, talk to players, and they were like, "Oh no, yeah, he was always confident." But he might have been a little timid coming in last year and saying, crap, I'm the rookie. How am I going to tell Keenan Allen, hey, dude, you need to run a better route? Or how am I going to tell uh, 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 Dan Feeney, who was the center at the time, how am I going to tell him, hey, I need you to, uh, to do this better or hike the ball better? 
But I feel like now Justin has, uh, feels comfortable with himself and with his play and with his voice to be able to voice his opinion and tell guys what he likes, what he doesn't like, what he needs, stuff like that. So I really do think that, uh, that Justin um, has kind of found himself and he is the leader of this offense while Derwin James is the leader of the defense. So what improvements do you think that we're going to see from Justin Herbert's game this year? So one of the things that he didn't do last year was uh, stay in the pocket. So, I mean, stay in the pocket like a three-step drop. He wouldn't, like, he a five-step drop. He, no, he would take it to seven, eight, nine because his offensive line wasn't that good and he didn't have a pocket around him. Uh, I feel like that's really what he's going to have. I feel like that's what he's going to have this year. He's going to have a better pocket uh, watching him in practice. I mean, and like I said, it's practice again. But watching it in practice, the offensive line is able to hold their own, um, and they weren't able to do that last year. Last year in practice, I remember we would see it. Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa, uh, Uchenna Nwosu, these guys would be in the backfield every single play, basically. And obviously they'd have to stop themselves because you can't hit the quarterback, um, and especially against Anthony. Man, if Anthony Lynn saw you hit the quarterback, man, he would he would get after you. So, um so definitely, uh, they would have to stop themselves. But now it's a little bit more of a challenge. So it, it's been interesting to watch these guys go at each other. But uh, I feel like he's gonna have, uh, he's gonna do better with that. I feel like if if this year he plays the Patriots, he's gonna have to be expecting that cover zero disguise again. So I'm pretty sure that the that the uh, that he's gone over it with uh, Brandon Staley. I, I, I've heard I, now I, I, again. I don't know if this is true or, or well, no, yeah, it is true. But Brandon Staley sat down with Justin, and they've gone over everything that they've seen from uh, everything that they've seen from last year. So he sat down. He watched the Dolphins film with him. He watched all these uh, all these games to to ask Justin, "What do you feel like you need to improve on?" And then obviously he would give his own critique of Justin. So I'm pretty sure Justin this year will be able to go up against those defense. And hey, guess what? First game of the season. You get to go up against uh, uh, Ron Rivera's defense uh, with Washington, and you see the playmakers that they have, Chase Young, they have uh, Allen, they have all these really good, they have a great defensive line, and uh, the Chargers are going to have their hands full that first week with uh, going up against them, but it'll be a great test for Justin Herbert right off the gate in this new and improved uh, offense that they're going to have, they're going to roll out this season. So... The last few years in the NFL, we've seen quarterbacks take jumps, right? You see Lamar in his second year, he's MVP. You see Mahomes, his second year, he's MVP. You saw a guy in Josh Allen, his third year, he he rises up, and he's playing at an MVP caliber level. How good do you think we can see Justin Herbert be in his second year? Um, I, I've told you. <laughs> I've told people that, uh, I mean, when fans ask me or stuff at training camp, I'm like, look, this is the way I see it. Either Justin's going to have another uh, another season the way he did last year where about 30, 35 to 40 touchdowns, 4, 000, over 4,000 yards, uh, probably about 68% completion percentage. Uh, I'm like, he could probably have another season like that, or he could have a, a Patrick Mahomes um Lamar Jackson kind of season where he just breaks out completely and scores, throws 50 touchdowns, um, almost 5,000 yards. Any of that is possible, but I, I, I just think he's going to be right in the middle of that. I think it, it'll be about 40 touchdowns, uh, 4, 000, over 4, 
probably be about over 4,500 yards passing and about 67, 68 completion percentage. I really do think he's going to have another strong year. And he'll probably run in about five or six touchdowns again like he did last season. So um, I, I really do think he's going to have another strong year. People are calling him the dark horse MVP candidate. I mean, the only way he can win the MVP is if uh, if this team is a playoff team. And, uh, and, and obviously, like, you have to beat Excuse me. You have to beat uh, Kansas City once. You have to beat at least Cleveland, maybe Baltimore and Baltimore. You have to beat some of these teams that are going to be playoff contending teams like uh, Pittsburgh, and uh, you need to beat those those teams. And if you do it, you can sneak out a couple of wins against those kinds of teams. And then obviously you take you, you take care of business and and handle the the um, the other teams. Then they should be in a good spot. But. I definitely think that uh, I definitely think that these guys are um, that Justin's gonna have another strong year. Uh, but like I said, he he could really he could really uh, he could really blow this up and completely um, go crazy the way Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson did. It's just gonna be interesting to see kind of what this and that's the thing we haven't seen really what this offense is. I think there's a lot of fluff out in training camp a little bit, so um, I. I know the fans in the stands who are also coaches and they're journalists and they're everything. Uh, they think that they have a handle on what this offense is going to be, but they don't. They don't know. We don't know. We're going to have to wait until week one to really see because uh, Brandon Staley announced yesterday that um, Justin Herbert will not be playing in any preseason games this year. So, uh, so and, and Keenan Allen and some of these veteran guys won't either. Derwin James won't either. So we're really going to get a, a notion of what this offense and defense are in week one. So if you hear anybody tell you, I know exactly what this offense and defense are, don't believe them, bro. That They don't know. They don't know. Um, the only people that I know are in that building, and uh, and they know what this offense is going to be. Nobody outside knows. So we won't have a, a grip on it until the season starts. How do you feel about coaches not playing their players during the preseason? Because you kind of see Sean McVay, he's doing that with the Rams. A couple other coaches yeah. around the league are doing that. Uh, how do you feel about that? I think it's smart just because, I mean, everybody points to, oh, well, Tom Brady always plays preseason games. Well, yeah, but that's not that doesn't fit everybody's style. One, I really do believe that, in, well, no, not, I don't believe. I think maybe the Chargers don't want to show their hand yet. And that's one of the reasons why uh, they could not be playing their players. But at the same time, it's health. You don't want these guys taking hits. Like, what if Justin uh, on Sunday uh, or on Saturday say that he went up against Aaron Donald? What if he drops back and Aaron Donald hits him and then twists his leg or, or something like that? You don't want a freak accident like that. You understand if it's during the season, but in preseason, you don't want that to happen. Now, when you uh, now let's exclude Justin from it. Now, Austin, let's exclude Justin, uh, Keenan Allen, and Austin Eckler. Let's look at Linval Joseph, uh, Brian Bulaga, Corey Lindsley, Jared Cook. All four of those uh, guys are eight-year-plus veterans. You don't want those guys taking these hits. You want them ready for the season. You want them ready for the challenge and the grind of a 17-game season. And so that's why you don't play them. You let them rest. And I know uh, Corey Lindsley's new... Um, He's a, and so is Jared Cook, but the, they don't need to be playing in these games. Well, actually, they didn't play in them, and they played well. So, uh, so I definitely, I, I, I'm, I think it's smart to not play those guys, just because, like I said, they're veterans. Brian Bulaga is coming off an injured, an injury-riddled season last year, 
Uh, you don't need him getting hurt again because uh, I, I'm going to be honest, if if Brian were to go down, you really don't have, I mean, you have Trey Pipkins, you have Storm Norton, but those guys are nowhere near the level of a Brian Bulaga. So it could hurt this this team if, uh, if one of those guys goes down. But then you look at Derwin James, you don't want Derwin James playing. Derwin has gotten hurt the last two years in, in uh, preseason, and they were both freak accidents. That's why when people were like, oh, he's injury-prone, I'm like, no, they were just literally freak accidents. Like, injury-prone is if you keep – well, I mean, I guess he keeps on getting hurt, but, like, injury-prone is, like, you're missing one game because of an ankle. Then two weeks later, you miss another game because of a wrist. Like, stuff like that. Like, that's injury-prone to me. Derwin has just been freak accidents, and they happen to be serious freak accidents. Um, so, but I definitely think that it is smart what uh, Brandon Staley's doing, not playing these guys. There's no reason to play them. I mean, really, like he said, we're about to have a joint practice next week with the 49ers. That is, we're gonna we're gonna work harder in that than we are during the preseason game. So why why would we even uh, why would we even uh, what's it called? Why would we even strain our players or any of the anything like that? Exhaust them, exert them. Yeah, and, and, and let's just go through it, and then um, you don't want them to get hurt. So, obviously, they're going to go hard during that during that uh, joint scrimmage with the 49ers, and they're just going to rest their guys uh, that Sunday. So, I think it's a smart strategy. I really do think that it'll help the players in the, in the end. And Brandon Saley has a plan. He came in and he told us, I have a plan for every one of these single one of these players. So he's talked to the Brian Bulagas. He's talked to Justin Herbert. He's talked to, with Derwin James. He's talked to everybody, even – even the last uh, guy on the roster, he's talked to everybody and let them know exactly what his plan is for each of them. And the players seem to agree so far, and they really like the direction of uh, – they really like what Brandon Staley has brought to the to the organization. And I, I would mostly agree with what you said. I guess my one pushback for me would be in terms of the preseason, just in general, is that I, I think you are right. Like, A-plus year veterans, they don't need to be playing in the preseason. I don't think there's anything to be gained. I think, holistically, I think the whole point of the preseason is for young players, you know, to get their opportunities. There's so many undrafted guys, seven, six-round picks, young players, you know, trying to make a name for themselves. And even players who are, like a Justin Herbert, who might be kind of established, but, you know, he's young, he's entering his second year. I think, and, you know, he's a quarterback, so I could understand why you wouldn't want him playing in it. But I think that's who the preseason really matters for. But I don't think, like, you know, six-year veterans, they, they need to be in the preseason. But I think it, it does maybe serve some benefit for your younger guys to play, even your better younger guys. Yeah, no, and I, but, I mean, it, it just seems like these, like, it seems like uh, Brandon Taylor is very much, like, like, wanting to rest these guys. And that's the interesting part is that I really didn't think we were going to, like, I personally, I didn't think we were going to see Justin at all in the preseason because I'm like, why the hell do you want to play him? Like, you don't want to risk getting it getting him injured and that's another thing if you rest Brian Bulaga and if you rest Corey Lindsley um, you don't want Justin in there with I mean and I'm not trying to say anything about the backups but you kind of want him in there with your starting offensive line and I mean it's not always going to work like that but still like you 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 don't want him to risk anything so I understand why Staley did it I'm also of the mindset that they should at least get a little bit of um, of practice time and everything but I feel like that's why uh, they decided to do the joint practice with the 49ers to um, to make sure that they get some in-game speed, some, uh, they, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They wanted to do the joint practice to get some, to, to make sure that Justin and some of these guys got to practice against a different squad, and that way they can say, you know what, we practice harder here than, because if you really think about it, they're practicing for about two hours, 
and the game, when they're in the game, they're probably only in for, what, 20, 20 minutes, if, if that. So I feel like Brandon really likes uh, the speed of his practice. He likes that these guys are working hard. And he's just saying, hey, why not just, uh, why not just uh, let him practice hard during practice? And then in the game, they don't need to be in in the preseason game. So I, I completely understand both sides. Um, but, I mean, Brandon has, like I said, Brandon has a plan. And it seems like he really is determined to uh, let him sit. Yeah, I, I just don't know if, you know, Roger down the league office like that when you got one of your head coaches saying, yeah. you know, we got everything for the joint practices. Screw the preseason. Well, I mean, I, I tell, like I tell people, people ask me, and I'm like, hey, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm like, I, that's why I'm not a head coach. <laughs> I'm not a head coach for a reason. He knows he knows exactly what he's doing. So, um, But I definitely do like um, – I definitely, I, I definitely think it's a good um, – it's a good it, – that I, I think Brandon Staley's off to a good start with the Chargers, and I feel like he really is trying to get to know each one of his guys. And I really do feel like he uh, he is he has um, he's off to a great start with them. And I feel like he really has personalized everything. I mean, as soon as he got hired, the second person he called after his wife was uh, Justin Herbert because he wanted to let him know, hey, dude, like I'm about to be the new head coach of the of the charge i'm so excited to get to work with you he's reached he reached out to every single one of the players on the roster to let him know who he was what he brings and everything so um so he really he really's done everything he can to personalize it for each player and and uh it seems like the charger the charger players are really into um into everything that uh brandon saley's brought so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break and then kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get a little bit more into that guy, Brandon Staley. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Fernando with us. So, Brandon Staley, going to be a first-year head coach, was a defensive coordinator for Sean McVay and the Rams last year. I just want to know your thoughts of him so far as being the guy here in Los Angeles for the Chargers. Uh, it's been very interesting just because he brings a unique, not perspective, but he has just been, uh, he's brought something different to the team. He um, he's really sat down. Like I said earlier, he sat down with every single one of the players. He got he wanted to meet all them. He wanted to let them know who he was, uh, what he wanted to bring to the table. He's very how do I put this? Every they do they do things for a reason with Brandon. Every measure is calculated. Everything that they're going to do is calculated. They it just feels like a different. It feels different. Like. I don't think I've ever been in a training camp where everything is down to the second. Like they don't extend, uh, they don't extend things. Like I don't know. Like if they're in a drill, they're not going to extend it for any reason. He really, he really is dialed up. He knows exactly what he wants to do. It's just I know it sounds like oh well, that's doesn't every coach know what they want to do? Yeah, but with him, it just it feels different. Like he he's accounted for everything. If a guy is like. Like uh, Kenneth Murray, I guess is right now he's he's hurt, but um, Kenneth wanted to come back to practice, and Brandon Staley was like, "No, dude, you're not coming back. Like, 
rest, and he's like, if this was a game, I might let him play, but um, he needs to save himself, he needs to be ready for the season, and you know, like, a guy like Kenneth Murray is just hungry to get back in there, and hungry to hit, and hungry to play again, but I mean, he kind of, he, I, I feel like he's going to have this certain voice to him, where he's going to be able to tell players, hey dude, like, I understand you want to go, but it's not best for your health, it's not best for the team. Like, I don't know, I just feel like he's going to be different. He's going to be able to bring a unique voice to the team, which might help guys um, understand that maybe it's not best for them to play. Maybe it's best for them to, to kind of take it easy and, and, and wait a little bit longer for their, their injury to heal. I don't know, he's just he's different. He has a unique way of talking to guys. He walks around, like literally the guys are stretching, and he's like going up to guys and he's talking to them and, and just go he goes up to everybody and, and shakes their hand before practice starts. It's incredible to see. And he brought in this thing called activation. So literally the players stretch for about twenty five minutes. Uh, first they obviously they or I mean sorry. First they start with activation, which is like basically activating all the all the muscles in your body, making sure they wake up and, and all that, and then they go into the regular stretching. So it's been incredible to see the kind of the, what he's brought to the team. And then, uh, again, he doesn't stick to a clock. Like, it, on the schedule, it might say, oh, they're practicing from 9 to 11. But at 10, 15, he's letting these guys get on the bus and go back to the facility. If he feels like they've done a great job and had a great practice, he'll cut it early because he um, he understands that these guys need a rest, that, um, that they need to be healthy for the season to start. So... He, he literally knows exactly what he wants to do. He has a plan, and, and it's, been, uh, it's been unique to see it so far this season. How differently would you compare him to uh, Anthony Lynn, the guy that was there before? I mean, Anthony Lynn was old school. He's a, the old school mentality. So, I, I, and I, like I said, it, we haven't seen a game yet, but Anthony was, they would go till the, till the, till the schedule, like, if it's at 9 to 11, they would, or his was 10 to 12. So they would go 10 to 12, maybe even 12, 15, 12, 30. Um, but, I mean, Anthony plays a, a, a former player who's the head coach. So, I mean, he understands how valuable practice time is. He understands how valuable everything is. So he would take it up until the last second because he knew. I mean, Anthony, I mean, I don't know. I, well, I talked to old, old school players and, they're like so pissed that players nowadays don't have the two a days and all that stuff. So they laugh. And uh, I've had players tell, but like former players tell me, "Man, I could have played twenty five years in the league the way they take care of the players now." So it, it's pretty funny. But um, but yeah, so I, they're just really different. Like I said, uh, <clears throat> Brandon was uh, Brandon's very um, Brandon's very like, his way of thinking is different than Anthony. Brandon sees this as a coach. He doesn't see it the way uh, he doesn't see it from the player's point of view the way Anthony did because Anthony, like I said, was a player. So, um, so yeah, it's just uh, it's really interesting and and uh, unique. So, uh, yeah, I think that's where they kind of differ in a sense. Why don't you think it worked for Anthony Lynn? I don't think it didn't work for Anthony Lynn. I just think that the offensive line was pretty bad. Um, I think Anthony was a little bit too loyal to his coaching staff. Or, yeah, he was a little too loyal. Like, uh, like there was a lot of mistakes made by the offense last year. Um, some mistakes made by offensive coordinator Shane Steichen. And he decided to stay with him, stick with him. And, 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 uh, and I mean, not just him, but Gus Bradley. I mean, 
when you have that debacle that uh, they had against the Denver Broncos, and uh, I can't remember what week it was, but they were in Denver, they were up by 21 points, Denver comes back and beats them, like, and it was because the defense was just giving up all these points. I mean, literally, like, I thought Gus Bradley was going to be fired, then he didn't, he stuck it out until the end of the season, so I just think it was, everything went bad, everything that went wrong, that could go wrong, went wrong, and then, um, people wanted to say, oh, (laughs) excuse me, Anthony lost the locker room, but I don't believe he did, I feel like the players really respected him, but it just, it was time for a new voice, and that's the thing about the Chargers, that they made the decision, they brought in a new voice, and it should be interesting. In terms of Staley, right, he's a defensive guy. What type of impact do you think he's going to have on the defense? I Well, I mean, I think he's going to have a huge impact. I feel like the defense is doing different things. Like, there's times where uh, Chris Harris Jr. is at safety and, and Derwin James at line, and slot corner, or he's a linebacker. It's, just, it's been really interesting to watch the way these guys do their um, – it's interesting to see the way they're doing their defense. They're all about matchups. So it's going to be interesting to see the way they kind of uh, they kind of use these matchups, how they uh, how they decide to use their guys. So um, so it's going to be interesting to see the way they mix and match. I really do think that when it comes to um, Derwin James, is going to be going up against the best tight or the tight end. Like if you're up against Travis Kelsey or, or Waller or one of these other guys, I really do think that it's going to be Derwin against him almost the whole game and. Derwin's rookie year, I remember there was a play against Kansas City where um, Patrick Mahomes does a little dump off pass to him, and it was third and three, and you thought, oh, wow, he's going to get the first down easily. Derwin comes out of nowhere, runs up, grabs him, and just slams him down to the ground. You're like, oh, crap. Like, this kid really did just uh, pick up one of the best uh, tight ends in the league and just drop him like if he was a, uh, a little kid or whatever. I don't know. It was just so interesting to see now I want to go to this. So obviously they're in the AFC West. That division goes through the Chiefs Kingdom. Uh, in terms of if they want to get to where they're going to go, they're going to have to go through Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and all those guys. What do you think their chances are of doing that? Do you think they're ready for that? Um, I think the Chargers are the second best team. I mean, and I yeah, I, I would put them as the second best team in the division. I just like offensively, defensively, they, they, they really do have a lot of uh, they have a lot of very good players. Now, my question about the Chargers, I mean, the biggest question is going to be, can they put this all together? And that's going to be the real question about this season. Can they put all this together? Can they? Uh, will uh, Joe Lombardi succeed as the offensive coordinator? Will uh, is it going to be okay for? Um, Brandon Saley to, to call the defensive plays while he's also the head coach of the team. Is it going to be too much for him? So, it, it, so far, it doesn't seem like those questions. I mean, it's questions that everybody's going to have about Brandon and about the team. And like I said, it's not going to be answered until we get to the beginning of the season. But, um, but like I said, it's going to be really interesting to, to monitor that and see how much it is. I asked, um, I asked Brandon on yesterday. I'm like, hey, are you gonna are you gonna call the plays? Uh, all of Saturday, he's like, yep, all of Saturday. I'm like, the whole game? He's like, the whole game. I'm like, oh, wow. So that'll give him, I mean, I think he's also prepping for uh, for his season. So I think it's preseason for the coaches as well. And um, But I, I definitely think that there's a lot of questions about the team. I mean, that right off the bat, you get some, uh, some pretty hard-nosed teams to start the season. 
I mean, you, you get uh, Washington, who you have to – you literally have to come out of the gate and win your first two games um, because next you get – you have to go to Kansas City. That's going to be a tough game um, just because it's in Kansas City, beginning of the season, so it's a divisional game. Then you come back and you have the Raiders on Monday Night Football. Then you um, then you uh, you welcome in the Cleveland Browns, and then you go to Baltimore for uh, you go to Baltimore for to face the the, um, the Baltimore Ravens. So there you go. Right off the bat, you have to play uh, a lot of very good teams, and and you really want to if you can get out of that. <coughs> oh God, what is it? If you can get out of that three and three, maybe even two and four. That should be a uh, that should be a blessing because that's a tough early start. Now, obviously, we don't know what's up with Dak. Uh, we don't know anything going on uh, if he's going to play that game or not with his whole shoulder. Uh, who's going to be the starting quarterback for Washington? That's going to be an interesting one too. But that, those four games: Kansas City, Raiders, Cleveland, and Baltimore. Man, that is a that is like that's literally going up against the gauntlet right there. Um, but like I said, it, it's going to be interesting. Uh, and, yeah, I do think the Chargers are the second best just because the Raiders, I mean, we don't know what they're going to be this year. Then you look at the Broncos, they have quarterback, uh, they have quarterback issues. So it literally um, it literally is going to be interesting. But I do think the Chargers are the second best team in the in the division. So if you have the Chargers as the second best team, I assume Kansas City is your number one. Who's your three and four? Um, I'd probably go, man, I, I want to say Oak or Las Vegas third, but that that Broncos defense to me is going to be really good. I think they're going to be very good. And then I've been watching all the videos of Jerry Judy and some of these guys, uh, some of those receivers from the Broncos, but and I feel like they're going to be very good. So I'll, I'll go Broncos third and I'll go Raiders fourth. I just think I, I think Denver is an up-and-coming team. I feel like if they have the quarterback, they really could do some damage. But, um, but I mean, that's going to take uh, – it's going to be a while before um, – I mean, Denver's been trying to find a quarterback since Peyton Manning left. Uh, well, I mean, hell, if we're going to go that far, they've been they've been uh, searching for a quarterback since John Elway uh, retired. They got pay, a Peyton Manning rental for a couple of seasons, but now they're they're just continuing their search now again, and and it'll be interesting to see who um, who they end up getting. But as of right now, I I, I you know, and it's funny because I look at Twitter and I see what's going on with other teams and stuff, and. I see some reporters say, oh, Drew Locke has won this. I feel like Drew Locke is winning this quarterback battle. But then you look at some other reporters, and they're like, oh, Teddy Bridgewater's in control of this. And I'm like, well, hell, who the hell am I supposed to trust? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, definitely I'd go Broncos third, and I'd go uh, Raiders fourth. And that either means they're both doing really well, or they're both doing really bad. Um. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Those two teams, you just never know with them. So, just in terms of if we're going to tier the Chargers, just in the AFC as a whole, where would you put them? Would you? Would, oh, crap. Um, okay, so, I'd probably Because you probably have, like, the Chiefs, you know, the Bills, maybe the Browns. I have, like, the, Chiefs, I have the Chiefs as the number one team still. Um, I have the... Okay, I have it in front of me now. Okay, so I have the Chiefs in... Okay, so yeah, the Chiefs, the Bills are better. Um, God, I, I'll say the Browns are better than them, too. <coughs> I'll, 
Baltimore is the one that I, I like question because if Baltimore has one injury to one of their secondary players or they're an injury away from not being very good, um, I'll say Baltimore is better, and then I'll put the Chargers right behind them. Okay. So it would be Chiefs, Bills, Browns, Ravens, and then the Chargers are the fifth. Uh, the fifth, I think the Chargers are the fifth best team in the AFC. Okay, that means you have them out of the Colts and the, and the Titans too. Okay. I, I just the Colts. I'm not really buying just because of Carson. I, what's going to happen with Carson Wentz, Quentin Nelson? Um, I don't think they have enough weapons around Carson Wentz. I mean, Philip was able to do it last year, but Philip uh, Phillips <laughs> Phillips been able to do it against. Um, has been able to do a lot better things with a lot worse. I've seen it in San Diego for numerous years. Like Philip at times had like just terrible receivers. not terrible receivers, but like just meet. Just not the high level of receivers that a quarterback of his caliber should have, and he would still make games out of it. He still uh, did very good things with it. So, but I, I just the Colts are, uh, and then the Titans defense to me is just bad. Um, so I don't think the Titans have a very good defense. I think they're going to try and outscore opponents this year, which I mean deservedly so with Derrick Henry, AJ Brown, and uh, and uh, Julio Jones. I'm still not used to that. And the Dolphins, the Dolphins are a good team, but I just don't know what Tua is. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, kind of what the Dolphins uh, end up doing if Tua is going to be able to step up. Um, I know the Dolphins have a good defense, but uh, but that was their staple last year. Their defense was very good. Their offense needed to catch up. Will the offense catch up this year? Will the defense still be as good this year as they were last year? So that, that whole thing is going to be interesting. So I, I do have to ask you this. Since you brought it up with Philip Rivers, you brought up the name Philip Rivers. Uh, is he a Hall of Famer? Yes or no? Um, not a first ballot. Do you think he will get in? Um, yes, just because he's top five and everything in his numbers. People love numbers, so I feel like uh, they'll definitely. Um, I feel like they'll they'll put him in, but I I just don't know if. Uh, I don't think he'll get in first ballot just because so far he has to go up against Drew Brees. Um, Drew Brees. God, who was the other quarterback that just retired? Um, Drew. Oh, no. Drew Brees and him retired. Uh, Roethlisberger's on his way out. The who? Roethlisberger's on his way out. Eli retired a few years. Eli retired. Okay, so this year it was Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers that retired. Um, you have uh, the Pouncey brothers, who I know one of them, at least Maurice will make it into the Hall of Fame first ballot. He was a very good, uh, he was a very good center for for Pittsburgh. Um, there's just there's just a lot of uh, um, there's a lot of players that I, I just feel like are um, that are very good, and I don't know if they're going to be able to um, like let's oh I, no. This was oh this was a year ago. Uh, I'm trying to see the um, the players who retired this year, but I, I it's gonna be hard. It, it's gonna be really really hard to see um, to see how Philip is. Greg Olson retired. Uh, Jason Witten retired. Uh, the Pouncey brothers. Thomas Dave maybe Thomas Davis. Um, Antoine I don't think Anto, Antoine Bethany makes it. Okay, so it's not that hard, but then you also have the carryovers from the year before, so or from years past. So that's going to be really interesting to see if Philip is able to make it or not. But um, but I think he'll eventually he'll make it in. 
And how do you think people, how do you think Chargers fans look back at the whole Breeze thing with Breeze leaving going on to New Orleans and the success he ended up having? I honestly think people forgot about that just because uh, of how long he's been in New Orleans. Um, I, I don't blame the Chargers for moving on just because you didn't know what his shoulder was going to be like. Um, so I understand why they made the move. And obviously you have the young quarterback. Um, the only thing is that, like, I remember um, I, I remember that some of the old Charger players from, like, that 2006 squad set if we would have had Drew Brees, we would have won that Super Bowl in 2006 because he was a veteran quarterback, and, and Philip was just coming into uh, was just coming in as a starter, and obviously he had never played before. So, um, but I mean, I understand why they did it. I just think I think the one that we should look at as like a bonehead was Miami. Miami could have Nick Saban could have had him, and they, they could have changed the fortune of of everybody, and they decided not to because of the shoulder and. They didn't trust uh, the medical doctors that had done the tests on Breeze's shoulder, and they decided to go with, I think, Dante Culpepper. I don't remember. I, I just remember they didn't want Drew Brees, and then New Orleans got him. And honestly, that was a match made in heaven, Drew Brees going to New Orleans. New Orleans needed a guy, and Drew Brees is an awesome human being. And it was just incredible to see all, all the money that him and his wife donated to the city of New Orleans, everything that they did. They brought a Super Bowl to a, a city that really have been in dismay over uh, Hurricane Katrina and, and they really did a lot to um, they really did a lot to uh, to help a, a city who was mourning everything that had happened to them so uh, so it's been it was incredible to see Drew Brees uh, bring all those smiles to, to a city that needed it and lastly any stories or any interactions that you've had with any players or coaches that just kind of you know make you laugh or that you find interesting um, it doesn't have to just be this year. It can be any year. Oh, God. What was... Um, God, a story. And I have some, but it just... Uh, I can't... Um, oh, my God. You really, and honestly, I've been talking for an hour, but now I'm a little stunned. I'm trying to, to think about uh, a funny story. I mean... Honestly, I think it's the day that we met Justin. That's the funniest story that I have recently is the day that we met Justin Herbert. It was just in person. Like, literally, like, we're walking into the Chargers locker room in, uh, in SoFi Stadium, and he's like, hey, guys, and you're just like, oh, crap. Like, it's Justin. Like, I don't know. It's just so funny to see him, and then, like, we're talking with him, and he's just such a cool guy. Like, we were asking him about golf and how he was doing with his golf game, and he said, I he's like, I suck, and you just, it was just funny, like, I don't know, I, and you know what, I think uh, because of the whole pandemic and everything, my memory's just blocked from 2019 and before, but I definitely have to say, the only, uh, like, the only interesting, other interesting story was, uh, I was interning for the Chargers Spanish radio team, and, um, and back in, like, 2013, and the Chargers were in San Francisco playing the 49ers, and I was in line uh, buying something from the hotel that we were staying at. And I turn around, and, and uh, Dean Spanos is standing behind me. And I'm like, oh, Mr. Spanos, go ahead, and you can go ahead of me. He's like, really? I was like, yeah, sir, you're, you're the reason why we're here. And he just started laughing. And he goes up, he pays for his stuff, he paid for my stuff. He's like, hey, whatever this kid has, put it on my, on my tab. And I was like, oh, I appreciate it. He's like, what's your name? I'm like, Fernando. He never forgot my name uh, ever since then, so... Uh, so that was that was pretty cool of him, and, and I, I just think he gets a lot of flack and catches a lot of uh, crap, and 
I think it's unnecessary. I mean, if people really knew uh, who Dean was, I think they'd be um, they they wouldn't be so so negative. He's just a good guy. I mean, he always says hi to me. I mean, he doesn't need to say my name or remember me or remember that story, but he always at once a year he'll always remember that story and just get a kick out of it. So, um, so it, it, he's just he's a good guy. He's always been nice to me, so I'm really appreciative of that. And it's been. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, literally covering this team for about, God, what am I going into? My eighth season, ninth season around the team. So it's, no, what are we in 2021? No, 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 my eighth season. So it's, it's honestly been crazy to be around these guys for so long. And, uh, and kind of, I came in at the same time that Keenan came in. So Keenan and I have had some good stories uh, back and forth. So it's been, it's honestly been a lot of fun. Well, Fernando, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. It's been, it was a lot of fun. That that, that was a quick, uh, a quick hour. <laughs> <laughs> and once again, I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the three hundred eighteenth episode of Barber Shop Sports Talk. All the leaves are brown.